I also think like this is Steam kind of pulling a, a Nokia. I mean, uh, a Nokia BlackBerry thing. Too big to fail. Yeah, I mean, like they've been. They've been what? What have they been, Rickus? They've been um, very stagnant. They haven't really been trying to improve and grow along with the times. Is that really them pulling something, or is that just them being you know, them being, being the juggernaut? Yeah. I guess like that, when that's you, exactly what it is. Yeah, when you're at that stage where you're like you are the monopoly, it's very easy to get set in your ways because of like a, a if it's not broken, don't fix it kind of mentality. It's true. And to familiarize people with the debate who uh, potentially are tuning in and have no idea what like really what is this controversy that's going on between Epic Games and Steam? Uh, is it between the connections potentially? Sorry, just talking to our sound guy. Anyways, uh, the the debate that's happening is because Epic Game Store has recently come into the PC market scene and offering developers uh, an 88 to 12 revenue split. So it is massive. Yeah, developers yeah. get to keep 88% of the revenue that comes in on a game sale. Epic Games takes 12%. And actually, it's probably not even that high because there's credit card processing fees. Yeah. And one of the discussions that I have heard um, about why Epic is even able to do this is because they actually put the processing fees on the end user, not on uh, not internalizing the platform like Steam does. So if if Epic Games was to be more industry standard according to the way Steam does it, then the the profits would actually probably be a little bit closer. But as it stands now, but in the end, like the game developers don't care about those fees and processing fees and all that kind of jazz as long as they get their part of the split. I mean, then it's just the end users which is very debatable because people are still going to jump ship to wherever they can get it. Yes, but I mean, there there's fair complaint taking place if you have to pay more because of credit card processing fees because Epic Games refuses to do that. And then it's the only place that you can get a video game versus it should have been on Steam and Epic. And then you could have actually gotten it for the appropriate, let's say, $60 price instead yeah. of, mm. you know, $63.99 because you have to pay the, the credit card processing oh, fee. Oh, no. Basically, like, they're baking it in <laughs> to the point where I see a lot of end users complaining about the, the prices being higher than yeah. what they yeah. would get on Steam. And, like, I do get that at the same time, but it, it's really actually, like, a tough decision, at least for me, because I... I, I haven't been as invested into the Steam system as a lot of people who have been playing because games. Because you're a console pleb. You, yeah. you have a Mac and consoles. It's like you play all of your games on Switch. Exactly. This is true. No, like I, I see how a lot of people are getting upset that this is upsetting their, their ecosystem that they've been building up on their PC for years now. Yeah. Well, I also think that um, like the the notion that Steam should remain the way it is, is definitely a broken one. Like, the, if the alternative to Epic Games having an exclusive is Steam having the exclusive, that yeah. is the wrong choice. Yeah. What honestly could be a potential, um, at least, uh, cohabitating solution for both Epic and Steam is that they're on both launchers, but the developers or the, the game promoters only push all of their marketing to get it from the, the, the Epic Game Store. Yeah. And, yeah. and Steam just gets whatever is organic to them, but there's no promotion done on Steam. They don't try to get it to the front page. They're not actually trying to lose more money, but having it available in more than one place could be a good thing. I, I do feel that that's still going to be bad for the game developers because Steam does have such a large organic audience. Yes. I mean, potentially, but that's because Steam puts things on the front page. If like, yeah. I mean, they could even write it into their agreement with Steam that you will not promote this game. It's a triple yeah. game. If people want it, they have to search for it. Like, it won't even be announced that it's there. Yeah. But if people want it, they can get it. Yeah. Like, that's a pie in the sky solution. Yeah, it's to, never going to happen. To say that, like, Epic can't one day be as good as Steam is, I think it's not the right way to go. Like, a lot of people are complaining that Epic doesn't have features that Steam has. Well, it doesn't. Yeah, well, it doesn't. But... Steam didn't have those at first either. Like, to say that it couldn't get to a better place. True, but at the same time, once once an industry has developed... Yeah, if you and, don't come and a in... New, yeah, a new competitor comes in lacking key elements of what people have grown used to. It is, I think it's a fair complaint to say no, you are behind the industry. Like, you're behind yeah, the times. It's you're definitely like a point. fair complaint. But at the same time, pretending that it, they're not 
they they potentially are working on a solution for all of those problems seeing the complaints Hopefully. until those solutions come in people aren't going to switch though i mean there there is indication that epic games is putting in the effort to improve their their store improve their launcher to get more on par with where it should be but considering how much freaking money they have mm-hmm. and the reason they're pulling this move which is to take you know revenue and market share from steam i feel like they actually could have done a better job of having everything up to snuff before really pulling yeah. all of this because this this is all stemming out of Fortnite. Like that's the, the only reason anybody ever has the Epic Games launcher. Sure, it might be for what what was that stupid Paragon? Wow. I could say it's stupid, but people people played that game. Like, it, but for the most part, everybody had the Epic Games launcher because of Fortnite. Whoever wanted to play that, but that doesn't mean uh, that they really needed to roll out all this stuff at once. They should have updated the launcher, made it better for the people who were there to play their one game that was actually pretty good, yeah. and then move on to the rest. Expand that way. But instead, they're acquiring market share before they have the relevance. Um, I guess quality. So yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you're willing to fork out a hundred million dollars for one game tournament, um, I'm I'm pretty sure. Are they, they still doing that? Did well, they renege they, on that? Because like it seems like the it, Fortnite it, hype it, died. It's died. running, and they still okay. got the seasons and whatnot. So okay. I don't know. Um, but if you're willing to drop that much on one game, yeah. if you're trying to actually gather the rest of the market share, maybe consider updating your launcher first. Yeah, I, I can see that. Like, it just seems like this whole thing was. A bigger deal than I thought it should be, but like diving deeper, yeah, I, I'm starting to see that side of the complaints. And mm. there, there's even further complaints about the fact that Epic Games is partially owned by Tencent. Um, there's yes. been it's been shown that the launcher was technically acting as a type of malware where it was uh, trying to access your Steam files without yeah. your permission when it booted up. There, there are some. Uh, I guess quality complaints about Epic Games themselves that could potentially, like people, I guess don't have against Steam. But even like even then, I don't see the benefit in having letting Steam have a monopoly. But at the same time, there are some red flags about how Epic Games has operated that could indicate that it might not be the best setup. Yeah. So it's it's just something to watch out for. But it, like, there's plenty of people in our YouTube comments who say that they they swear they will never touch Epic Games after the uh, the malware complaint that came out that came out from them. Yeah. No. It's it's one thing to do something with your permission and like access your Steam files for your friends list and all that kind of jazz. Um, but actually injecting malware into your software, I'm not cool with it. Don't you want the Chinese overlords to know who you are? No. That way they can familiarize themselves with you before they take over. No. As I'd, far as I'd as rather I'm, them know I've, who I am. I've accepted that Facebook and Google own me. I have not accepted the Chinese government yet. <laughs> that's a strange position to take, my friend, especially <laughs> considering where you live. Anyways, that's a, that's a different topic. That's let's, talk, let's talk in another controversial situation. You know, we've, we've got Epic Games versus Steam. But now, what we have is robots versus people. Let's go to the Dang. showdown, my friends. Walmart. I'm, ro- I'm uh, team robots all the way. Wow. Okay. Well, we, given what uh, Adobe has been putting in their editing software, oh, yeah. it, might, it might actually take place sometime soon. <laughs> so this, this article is about Walmart battles online retail by adding more robots to its stores. And in fact, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of around 3,000 autonomous robots that are going to be added to, uh, to, their, to their stores across the United States, which means that either people are going to be losing jobs, uh, which I'm not necessarily sure is happening, but it will definitely be the case that they will not be hiring out for these jobs anytime soon. Yeah. So it's loss of future jobs at the very least. So to get into the details, Walmart announced that it's going to be deploying 1,500 autonomous Ooh. floor cleaners, 300 shelf scanners, and 1,200 unloaders to scan and sort items as they come off the delivery truck. So as far as I know, when it comes to retail stores like Walmart, they don't actually have their staff clean the stores. Yeah. They, they actually hire out to a cleaning company who has... Yeah, because you, you need industrial equipment for that. And to pay a minimum wage... Uh, Walmart employee and train them how to use industrial equipment safely and responsibly is not something that they've chosen to do. 
And instead, it's just, I mean, in a lot of situations, it's just easier to hire a professional to do that. So I, at least at the retail stores I worked at, I yeah. knew I know that like as I was getting ready to leave for the night, that's when the cleaning crews would come in. So they don't actually clean the stores themselves. So that's not necessarily probably going to be a loss of jobs for Walmart itself. It's just going to be a loss of jobs in the generic retail industry. 300 shelf scanners, I'm not sure what those do. Maybe just make sure the prices are right. Yeah, I, th instead I think that's of probably it. But that seems like it's just alleviating wasted man hours instead of... It's probably also to check like expiry dates, perhaps. That's more complicated because those are yeah. on different parts of the boxes. Yeah. And, like it would have to remove boxes from the shelves to see. Uh, yeah. It's probably like something... Checking along prices along the, like, just making sure everything's in the right place at the right time. But then it would still need a human to come and fix anything that's going wrong there. Yeah. But then it's the 1,200 fast unloaders to scan sort items as they come off the delivery trucks. They scare me. The What? The fast unloaders. Really, why? They can go ham. Once they've got products in their, uh, in their arms, they can go. Like, once they turn, they turn. Do you mm. want them they've to hold all the products? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of want to see, like... If people start a trend where they just like put a sticker on the robot as they walk past and then like you come and there's like whole graffiti kind of robot just going around the Walmart. That seems like the appropriate way to protest. Yeah. Yeah. But then you know what? When the robots become sentient, they're going to use it as a fashion statement. And what started off as an ironic <laughs> protest turned into something that they embraced for themselves. And they'll look These back stickers give me my power. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> I was one of the OG risers. Oh my. So the, the 1,200 fast unloaders to scan and store items, uh, that's definitely going to be costing jobs. Because yeah. I know that when I worked at a retail store, when the, the daily truck shipment came in, uh, like you had to pull people to the back to come in, grab them, grab the items off the truck, have the manager with his scanning gun actually scan the things, put them in an appropriate place, and then mm. have the people take them out. That like that would cost me several hours uh, a week as far as my job. And if yeah. that's completely gone, that could mean that positions are completely eliminated for that reason, especially yeah. in a giant. Uh, retailer like Walmart where they're working with thousands and thousands and thousands of products to have a fast unloader actually do all of that for you means that the amount of man hour saved yeah. is quite substantial which we can look at it from both perspectives that one that we've, one we've got the perspective of this is about efficiency this is about making sure man hours are saved this is about making sure that uh, revenue goes up profits go up and that everything is uh, a more well-oiled machine, but then at the same time, there is the human capital concern mm. of lost jobs, which even even with the argument, like I, 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 you guys have heard this all the time, I've heard this, that, well, people should get better jobs. Like, you shouldn't, yeah. like, you it's, shouldn't it's, be It's working. the whole learn how to code thing. Yeah, exactly. Do, do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> no, it's, it's just, it's become a very uh, controversial statement telling someone to learn how to code because it's been um, uh, connected to uh, white uh, privilege and all that kind of stuff. And like, it has become sort of a discriminatory thing. Okay. Um, but it is very much mean, if you do everything in the future, I mean, even this, I mean, robots, robots need to get programmed somewhere. Yeah. Um, and everything is moving in a very technological direction. Until they can pro program themselves, which yeah, is what same. machine learning does. Yeah. Robots can um, teach themselves. But up until this point, it's very much been, a, I mean, if you can program, you can pretty much walk into a very comfy job yeah. reasonably easily. Um, so that used to be the default answer if someone says, yo, dude, I'm struggling to get a job. It's like, well, learn to code. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I do agree that, that that probably is from a place of privilege because one of the things that I've, I've learned while working with underprivileged and like just like the, the, the less advantaged communities is that while it's great to say you should learn how to do something, nobody in their life has taught them the life skills to actually be able to even take the initiative to teach yeah. themselves something. And so like there's a disconnect. Usually I, at least from my stereotype of Walmart, the, the majority of people who tend to work there are the people who don't have other prospects. Yeah. Like it, they, Walmart has been known for taking any and everybody. Like you can get a job at Walmart no matter what. It's kind of like McDonald's to that extent. Like it's, yeah. it's the job you get out of high school. You just like you, you have money. That's it. Yeah. And, and for some people, it's a great stepping stone. For other people, it's the only option. Yeah. And to assume that people automatically have the skills to be able to then teach themselves how to do that, I'm not sure that actually exists. And like, 
I think especially for people like us who are uh, on the up and up when it comes to technology, like it, I, th- I do think that we probably have some sort of communal uh, ethical responsibility to maybe not teach people like how to code or teach people mm. about computers, but make sure that people know that they should start practicing their life skills to actually be able to switch a job at a moment's yeah, notice yeah. because the technological revolution's coming over, AI is gonna take over, machine learning is gonna make it so that robots are gonna be programming themselves. Mm-hmm. We're developing robots to build other robots. So there's entire industries, even of the people who should learn to code, that are gonna be completely yeah. wiped out. I no, mean, agreed. even just with the Adobe update of the After Effects, where oh, they can autofill video that's happening yeah. live. like. That's it's crazy. It used it's, to take amazing, people yeah. hours to yeah. do that, and now it can just be done procedurally. And that means that, like, that part of your job is eliminated. So if you hated that, then it's it's cool that, like, it's yeah. not there anymore. But at the same time, it is cutting down on the amount of workable hours that now exist. No, I agree. No, that's, that's definitely true. Like, the society as a whole is pushing towards that whole automation taking over. But the the step to that needs to be done in a way that people are ready for. Yeah, and I I think the people who have the understanding of what's coming have some sort of ethical responsibility to make sure people know it's coming. Mm. Like, it's it's very difficult for me. Like, once this happened, I mean, it's the same thing with the automobile industry. That came over and took, like, it destroyed thousands of jobs. It got rid of what people were able to do with horses and buggies and carriages and all that, like, the actual... uh, Transport industry, absolutely mm. revolutionized. Like horseshoe makers, gone. Like industry wiped out yeah. overnight. And so, like, if you knew that was coming and you didn't tell anybody, and then everybody's out of a job, yes, some people are gonna learn to adapt, but some people, if they had been given like a year's heads up and were told, hey, start preparing your life skills, they yeah. probably would have been able to fare a lot better. Yeah. I don't know. That's it's my just perspective. Being in that prepared mindset for whatever's next. Yeah. And not, not assuming that everything's going to stay the same. But, e- I mean, even here in South Africa, there's so many things that Ifs I take for granted yeah. that, like, people are like, holy crap, that exists? Like, our, our robot vacuum. Mm. I showed that to a few of my friends, and they were like, how does it know? It's just like, <laughs> this technology is not, like, Roomba came out, like, a decade ago. Like, yeah. this is not a new piece of technology. But yet, like, there's people who just have zero clue that it exists. Yeah. And zero clue uh, the amount of revolution that's going to take place in life oh yeah it's it's a difficult concept to grasp because we don't know the extent to which this is going to change everything yeah like two decades ago nobody could have predicted the economy that we now live in with uber you can get a car on demand yeah you you can a decade ago don't talk to strangers and don't get into a exactly with with someone you don't know now it's just like oh i'll order someone that i don't know to come pick me up and then i'll stay in the stranger's house when i go and travel like yeah, Airbnb. Yeah. It's just, society has changed in so many different ways as technology progresses. There's going to be a point where something might not be for the best. Well, it, it's already happening. Obviously, there's there's abuses of everything that's happening in the industry. There's, I mean, there are problems with Uber and drivers potentially being yeah. unsavory, and like there yeah. there are dangers that are coming along with it. But it like. It's happening so rapidly that if we don't take the stance now that we have to be uh, cognizant of the change that's taking place and really try to inform everybody else as well, uh, especially for our less technologically minded friends. Like, I don't think the excuse of old people not knowing how to use a computer is a valid one anymore. Like, no. people have to know how to do this. Like, you have to know how to engage with you the digital media. You at least need to know the basics of a computer, cell phone, yeah. Unless you're planning on dying soon. Like I I mean if I mean there there are some people like that. There are, there are some people who have retired who have spent a couple decades in retirement yeah. and they're just like why would I try to learn this? I'm just going to die soon anyways. Whatever. I don't need it. I don't need a phone. Like my my family knows where to get it and hold where to get a hold of me. I've been living in the same place for the past 30 years. If I'm here, I'm here. I don't need a smartphone. Yeah, that's a rough mindset, man. I'm trying to process. Some that. people have that, but it's just—it's just, it's just a mindset of a different time. It's a mindset before the, all of the the whole technological re- revolution started taking off. And and to some extent, while everything has changed in one regard, some of like life has remained essentially the same. Like there are still thing, there are still processes that are happening now that were happening. 
50 years ago. And so if you only use those and you're only attached to the things that are mm -hmm. still the way that they've always been, then you're fine. Like uh, even in the States, like there's still people paying with checks at the freaking grocery stores. And grocery stores still continue to accept checks because it's the Omas who are praying with the yeah. freaking checks that they don't want to lose their business. Yeah. But it's such an archaic way of doing everything. Everything's digital at this yeah. point. Like standing there and writing out the- Like people who still fax. Oh my goodness. That is a thing here. That is it's, not in the States. It still exists. Yeah. I know, I know. I've, it's I've, terrible. I've seen fax numbers on people's business cards and I'm like, what the heck? Where I went back 20 years. My dad's business will send fax for people. No, like to where? To other businesses. Fantastic. My dad still receives them, but he refuses to send them out because he's like, he only has this because he, he works with a whole bunch of companies that still do it. And he's like, he cannot understand why. No, it's, it's absolutely stupid. Actually, okay, well, I said that there's no faxing in the States. I did have to fax in my vote for the last presidential election. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, at least the way it worked. I didn't. I couldn't trust the postal system of South Africa to actually get my oh, votes yeah, that, that to the United yeah. States. So I had to do it. They don't accept email, so I had to do a fax. But I had to use a service that allows you to convert a PDF into a fax. Yes. And so I still had to use freaking my internet in order to send a fax to the United States. And I'm not even sure if my vote ever made it in because I got no freaking confirmation of it. But yeah, the, the, that's the one exception for how I how I have used a fax in the no, last. I, I've spent many an afternoon because people don't get numbers right and oh, stand there and like try again, try again. No, didn't go through this time. Let's uh, one more try. No. Okay. Have you? Do you have a different number yes all right let's try the other number one more time one, no it's Oof. not going through do you have anything else no okay sorry can't help you then it's uh, like two two hours later it's like, i'm totally mm. okay if the automation replaces the people who still use faxes yes wow <laughs> maybe harsh but dang that was rude it's, it's 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 a bit of a rough one but it's it's actually kind of funny sometimes though i wonder if there's anybody in the automated fax industry <laughs> Like you write the name of the business on the piece of paper and it uses AI to scan it and then actually find the number of the business that you're supposed to be sending it to and you don't have to dial in any numbers. You just put the piece of paper in there and it sends it off automatically. That's kind of rough here though. Or like a voice activated fax yeah. where you can say where you want to send it and then say the number instead yeah. of trying to press the buttons. It's, yeah, I don't know. Because old would, people have a hard, easier time speaking. I don't know if that would work here buttons. though because you've got so many different accents, you know, it would... It's fair. Ooh, dang. <laughs> yeah, fair. I didn't even think well, about maybe that. I'll, okay, okay, fine. Fine, you, you can have that one. But let's <laughs> let's speak about innovation in space. Yeah, yeah. Space, space innovation. We got space innovation. We've got the best picture of an out-of-focus donut that I have ever seen in my entire life. It looks oh, like a broken yeah. eye of Sauron, a... Oh, yeah, I got nothing else. Give me, <laughs> give me, give me more jokes, Reese. We, we've said donut, we said eye of Sauron. Yep. I'm not gonna say Thanos butthole. Yeah, I was gonna say Thanos <laughs> butthole. <Yeah. laughs> there was there was a post on Reddit of uh, the last thing Ant Man sees before he dies, and it's just a glowing <laughs> so black hole. Because uh, as anybody who hasn't known the reference, why doesn't Ant Man just shrink down, go inside Thanos' butthole, <laughs> and then expand, and then Infinity War is over? It's very easy. How it should have happened. Endgame. <laughs> you yeah, think that's, that's coming the... for Endgame? <laughs> That, that's, that's, that's how in-game happens. So that, that black, is how, how they defeat him. <laughs> the black hole is relevant. So the first ever picture of a black hole surrounded by a halo of bright gas. Wow. Yeah. Also known as the accretion disk. This is actually really similar to, I mean, what scientists thought what a black hole would actually look like if we were ever able to uh, image yeah. it. And so this is the first one. It's in a, uh, it's in a galaxy, I believe that's, 50 million light years away. Yeah. Far, far uh, away. M87 is the name. It's the giant black hole at the center of that galaxy. And uh, yeah, it, it looks just like a like somebody left their burner on. You know the <laughs> coil ones? Yeah. Like how they get red? Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. And just well, at least like now this. we know what our doom looks like. I think, I think we're safe from this one. This, this one, one, yes. Yeah. Not our one in the center of the Milky Way. Or the one that they're going to make it certain you need. Like once the sun goes it, and it turns into this, we're doomed. Our sun's not going to turn into a black hole. Oh, yes, it will. I don't think our sun is big okay, enough. Okay, I'm, I'm really it. questioning you, your guys' education system here. I predicted it. Oh, my goodness. It's going to happen. <laughs> All right, well. We'll, we'll have to wait a couple of billion years to see if Rickus <laughs> is right. But 
Yeah. So, I mean, one of, one of the cool things about this is uh, we also saw an image of a picture of Pluto taken in 1996. It's mm. just like a blurry, yeah. gray... Blum. Yeah, it's, there's nothing of definition to it. And then, obviously, the picture that came out, I believe it is 2015, 2016, of Pluto. Mm. And there's actual definition. It has that like little heart in the, the bottom right corner. Yeah. And you can actually see peaks and valleys and definition in Pluto. Yeah. And this is the first picture that we're having of a black hole. Yeah. This is our like, equivalent of that 19-something yeah. photo. So I, I believe it took like something like five petabytes of, of data for them to actually compose this image. Which is insane. Right. Yeah. And so, like, there, there's going to be development in the future that will allow us to see a lot more than just this giant pixel. Mm, that yes. one. I want to be with their ISP, though. <laughs> it was on hard drives. <laughs> well, they had to get this out somehow. They processed it internally first. No, but it needs to come down from space. That's a lot of data. You're a lot of data. I want to be with their ISP. Just checking the picture of Katie with like all those hard drives that were used. Yeah. It's crazy. Who's Katie? Uh, she was one of the people who like helped collect the data and actually create the, the first the renders of what they thought it might be. Yeah. And then compiling the, like all the stacked images to actually create this. Okay. This image that we see. Because this is like tons and tons of stacking to actually get a viewable image. Yeah. Well, I mean, that sucks for Linus. He's doing the petabyte project, but yeah. freaking MIT has the five petabytes. <laughs> five petabytes for a five by five image. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm pretty sure they got a lot of, uh, like, it was the Event Horizons telescope that was doing it. I'm pretty sure they, that is a zoomed in portion of the full yeah. image yes, that they had. Yes, like, yes. they had to, they had to cross-reference different versions of the freaking Thing images to, being yeah. taken. To yeah, because it it's basically... All these like points around the world coming together to create a big. It's giant. There's actually pattern. South African involved in this whole project, huh? Yeah. Uh, for the next one, they actually want to involve the the South African array. I can't remember the actual name, but the the new one that's been developed. Yeah. Uh, for the Is next that still step. Going. I thought that was like in like purgatory as far as funding. No, that one's still going. Okay. It's still getting set up. It's one of the few things that we actually get used for it on an international scale, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the crew is really nice for actual viewership because it's high in elevation and then there's no pollution around it because nobody lives there. Yeah, so like they want to get the the new South African array like set up and involved in the next iteration because like they they plan on taking more images of this now in the coming years. Like this is step one. This is... Can't wait to be a higher resolution of Thanos' butthole. Yes. Beautiful. Statements I never thought I'd be making. Mm-hmm. And then we are, let's keep on the space stuff. We have uh, NASA throwing up some tracers into the auroras <laughs> in what I believe was Norway. Yeah, Norway in the aurora borealis. And uh, there's a pretty dope time lapse. Can we pull that up on the screen for everybody to see? But uh, they dropped these tracers into the sky and they could see the solar wind spreading in the ionosphere and dispersing the tracers, which it's actually a pretty beautiful time lapse. It's, it's actually is absolutely stunning, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's a few seconds of imagery, but yeah, it's just, really cool. This is this is something that I don't believe has been done before, where they drop these in the ionosphere. But it's pretty cool to see how the aurora borealis works. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I dig it. It's. Like, I mean, the Northern Lights is, is one of the most beautiful things in nature, and it's something that really makes have me... Have you seen it? No. Oh, I've seen it. It's on my back. Do you guys list. get the Southern Lights here? No. no. We're not far. We're not, no, not, not far. far. What about, like, in Cape Town? No. no. Nah. Okay, so no. you have to go to Australia, man. Yeah. There was well, that... New Zealand, actually. Oh, that does count. I remember there was that <laughs> one time, I think it was, like, during a, a magnetic storm or something like yeah. that, that they actually extended up. Yeah, I'm sure, like, some freak occurrence once every hundred years, it'll, yeah, it'll but come through Cape yeah. Town. We're generally not... Makes sense far down enough basically Makes me sad same it would be great to see but but yeah on the bucket list yeah it's definitely on the bucket list i still want to go up to iceland and see these iceland yeah you want to go to yeah not greenland yeah why norway iceland? is where it's at because iceland is green and greenland is icy what's so. the the world's furthest north city <sighs> it's got some weird name oh i can't remember it's probably scandinavian i'm pretty sure it's in norway as well yeah Reese, do the i'm doing the google most northern city in the world. Hey, Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Svalbard. Svalbard, Norway. There it is. Okay. Yeah. It's actually kind of That's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. One day. One day. Population 35. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's very cool. I promise you those are all scientists. <laughs> well, it's the same as... Uh, so, did you know that Antarctica has the lowest infant mortality rate out of any country in the world? Well, the I wonder why. ratio isn't much. They so. have a 0% infant mortality rate. Out of all the babies born on Antarctica, which there have been a couple dozen, yeah. none of them have died. They have a 100% mortality rate, in fact. Or immortality yeah, rate. I was, yeah. <laughs> immortality rate. Immortality rate. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> People. Born pe- there, live forever. Exactly. That's how it goes. Yes. Huh. Okay, so the, the. So did we just unlock the fountain of youth? <laughs> it's been there all along. Just get born in Antarctica. Antarctica yeah. You, yeah, just. Somehow get your parents with the time machine to go to Antarctica. You guys are closer than America, so I mean, the yeah. task isn't that hard. Yeah, sure. Have them make a lot of money and then go on a cruise while your mother's pregnant. By the way, that's absolutely terrifying. My uncle went to Antarctica as a helicopter pilot. Yeah. And he said it's absolutely terrifying trying to fly down there. Why? Because you don't know where your horizon is at all. Ooh. Because it's white and white. Everything's just white. So you really need to rely on your apparatus to just like make sure you're still flying upwards. that's how they're supposed to fly anyways you're not supposed to trust your sight so that's it's still actually terrifying. good pro- no it's, it's it's good practice it's just like i can imagine that it's absolutely terrifying if you're used to being able to actually see where you're going and then suddenly it's just what fair oh fair okay so uh Scary you guys stuff. you guys want to pull up an, another article I, uh, i'm not sure I, I i need to do all of these i need help uh assist help. me in what you want to talk he about need somebody help, help. Uh, we haven't really done any computer hardware, so you guys. Um, yeah. So we we should do the Bitcoin one. So yeah, I said dead. I wasn't gonna do this, and you guys are you guys are making me do it. Mm. Okay. Let's let's have a look at this. Okay, one. let's go ahead and talk about the death of Bitcoin, at least in China. Bam bam bam. All right. Do you guys know what this is about, or am I gonna have to to walk this one through as well? Nah, I'm pretty sure I know what this is. Okay, about. walk us, Reese. You used your legs. <laughs> No, this whole thing is China wants to clamp down on Bitcoin to actually, I'm not sure if they want to, like an outright ban or a full regulation, which in terms of like Bitcoin seems like a ban already. It it defies the whole point of Bitcoin, which is to be a free-flowing currency, which no one has direct control of. Yeah. No one using Bitcoin will use it if it's fully regulated in the way that the Chinese government would. Yeah. You say that, and then people really like Tether, which is, like, guaranteed to be pegged at one U.S. dollar because it's the Tether is worth a dollar, and it's, like, somehow... That's US. still weird to me. Yeah, and uh, I think it's Ripple, which is tied to the U.S. banking industry somehow, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, there there are already cryptocurrencies out there that are very regulated, and people have accepted. Obviously, Bitcoin is, like, the, the first... The pioneer, the one that everybody holds near and dear to their to their tuchuses. Bitcoin seems like the punk who's like, I'll never submit and become a working man. <laughs> and then like, as soon as someone starts to regulate it, it's like the that punk putting on a suit and going to a day job and everyone's just like, I'm done with you. Yeah, yeah well, you, you would think that. But then also there, there are tons of issues going on with Bitcoin, which is why Bitcoin Cash even came to existence Oof. in that like, the way Bitcoin works is that it can be manipulated. You have to own a majority share of the hashing power. Yeah. And so let's say you are the company that makes the world's uh, best Bitcoin miners, let's just say. And uh, you have them before anybody else does because you're developing them. And you're able to use them before anybody has, let's say, 7 nanometer technology used to, to mine Bitcoin. Because you're able to talk to TSMC to produce the ASICs that you need mm. for this. Yeah. Then you could actually have a majority share pretty easily. Yeah. And there, there are methods that are implemented in certain cryptocurrencies to kind of pre- prevent against this, especially in newer ones, because it's a lot easier to buy up a share of something small as opposed to Bitcoin, mm. where you would actually need to have a whole lot in order to control what's happening. But there, there has been like a lot of controversy going on about how mining farms band together and control the narrative yeah, of what's yeah. happening with Bitcoin. So it's not as pure of a like decentralized cryptocurrency as everybody makes it out to be, but at the same time, it's more decentralized than, let's say, a normal currency that anybody uses. Yeah, fair. No, it's... Everything in some form or another will be able to be controlled and manipulated. Yeah. 
no matter what it is, there will be someone somewhere that finds a way to manipulate it. So as soon as it has yeah. value, yeah, people are going to try and manipulate it to their own advantage. Like it's just how things go. Which is what people are, are anticipating China is doing with this latest round of, I mean, they haven't implemented any regulations, but they posted an announcement. Uh, the NDRC, National Development yeah. and Reform Commission, posted an announcement saying that they are looking to encourage uh, something, restrict and eliminate different versions of the cryptocurrency industry. And that means that it's on their radar to kind of bring it in line with, I mean, the the current thought is that they're going to treat cryptocurrency the way that they treated the internet, which is they control the narrative that's happening there. Certain, certain um, exchanges aren't going to be allowed. Certain currencies are never going to be allowed. Yeah, China dang. cracked down on initial coin offerings of new coins coming in, and they shut down several exchanges. So it does seem like the Chinese government, even if they can't control the currency, what they can control is people's ability to, to convert the it, currency yeah. into the local currency. Ah, so that's, that's yes. especially when Bitcoin isn't being adopted as widely as as it could be. Uh, you kind of need to use exchanges to transform it into your currency to actually give it some sort of personal use yeah. outside of just like a method of storage. So it, it becomes impractical as a currency if exchanges are shut down and the government is regulating the businesses that are allowed to uh, accept cryptocurrency yeah. or not. Yeah, like it also becomes less enticing if you then have to transfer the money to say like the US dollar and then transfer that back into your native currency yeah which people will definitely do especially they do, the people but who then are you, you're losing money in processing fees and it becomes as a whole less enticing than if it was just an easy way to convert it becomes becomes more work than it needs to be which means people wouldn't be so as willing to use it which is just yeah it, it's it becomes one of those things like when the the government sees something happening they they, they will always try and like Always, you sound like an anti-government propagandist right now. I'll have to talk like that if I am. Uh, <laughs> but they'll start to stick their nose in where money is involved. It's the way the world works. It always wow. has. No but hope in the government. No, no, no. it's. You I'm guys not have been living in South Africa for too long. I'm not saying that. We've it's only a been bad living thing. in South Africa. That's my point. <laughs> Twenty years is enough to make you better. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing because I feel like the government should regulate things that can be, they, they, when things are unregulated to a degree, things can go out of hand very, very quickly. Yeah. Wow. So you, you're in favor of big government? No. Little government. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's a cute little government? Oh, I love you so much. Oh, no. That one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was bad. Okay, okay yeah. so that, that actually begs the question then. What is acceptable regulation, in your opinion? Reese's personal opinion. My personal opinion. Uh, regulating ICOs. Because there's so much scams coming out taking advantage of people. Okay, so the counter-argument to that, yeah. I'm just playing devil's yeah, advocate no, no. here, is, is that the people who get scammed are there to serve a communal good to show people as a warning sign what happens if you do not inform yourself. And so even though people are getting scammed, it's actually a, a community-wide service. It's, a, it's for the good of the country for some people to get scammed, especially the people who aren't uh, aware enough to look into things, so that it can serve as a warning for those who... Uh, and so a free market should choose to reign and take advantage of specific people because then it allows them to learn. Obviously, this does not apply yeah. <laughs> to people who have physical handicaps or mental deficiencies that do not. Like, obviously, we could argue that certain people who are just plain old ignorant and, yeah. and choose to be ignorant, we could if, argue everyone that they knows have a mental that, deficiency. That one dude who like fell for every single scam and he insists that it's not a scam, and then things just spiral out of control. And right. I'm not talking the fully functioning human who's yeah. just easily susceptible to bullcrap yeah. is different than, let's say, somebody who uh, has uh, cerebral palsy. Those are the, yeah. the two different conversations. But the dude who's completely normal, except for the fact that he's easily deceived, it, it could be a community service. Okay, so I'm starting an ICO. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> take one for the team for the greater good. 1,000% return per day. That one. No money down. Except for your entire life savings. 
<laughs> and we promise to pay you back every single day, but it's going to be with somebody else's money because that's how Ponzi schemes work. Yes. No, no sweat out of our pockets there. I don't know that expression, but I just made it. No sweats out of yeah, our pockets. Yeah, we're keeping all the sweats in our pockets. That's do you it, just that like seems collect gross, baggies? Dude. Yeah. It's not mine. Oh, seems Wait, other no. people's. I was gonna ask if I could, uh, you know, just pour a little of my coffee to see. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Internal yeah. gagging there. No, no, big no. Okay, now uh, let's talk about things that are good for mining in cryptocurrencies. Let's go ahead and talk about Nvidia's research coming out about uh, their new multi-GPU graphics cards. So this is this is something that we did a hot news video out uh, about yesterday. And it's pretty interesting technology. However, some people just looked at our thumbnail and were like, cool, two GPUs, they've Yay. done that before. But that is not what's happening at all. So the research, that was, yeah, the research that was published by NVIDIA shows that they are actually able to work on a multi-die AI accelerator chip that has 36 different modules interconnected. Which is insane. How many would you like? <laughs> all of them. All of the GPUs? Yes. Put together? Yes. Just all of them. That many, yes. So obviously, uh, with it being for AI acceleration, it's not necessarily something that's going to be coming to the end consumer anytime soon. Actually, as I say that, you know, one thing that we thought wouldn't come to the consumer is ray tracing, tensor cores specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was unveiled with the Titan V. Yeah. Or with Volta, the architecture specifically, and that was a three thousand dollar graphics card. And everyone was everybody just like, was just like, deep learning, not for us. Yeah, back it off. I'm moving away from the mic. <laughs> Like that, I'm not paying $3,000 for a graphics card. But then next gen comes around and hey. they slap it right on there. Yeah. They're just like, you need tensor cores. You want to play video games? Yeah. You need tensor cores. And people are like, okay. I do you know? feel like this is something that NVIDIA will keep up their sleeve for the consumer until AMD at least comes up with a competitor for it um, or come at least close to. Sorry, I'm, I'm hearing something. you say words. Yes. And all I can picture is that black hole. <laughs> because you're saying something that's never going to happen. Exactly. AMD is not Nvidia's competition. This is never, this is never. Or until Intel Oof. drops. No, that's that. That was oh. that was more my point that I was getting at. You were just all I heard was wah 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 wah. Intel is now yet. I'm allowed good. to freaking try and fanboy AMD. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you have I, that I one. Can, I can try and fanboy them all I want. It's just, it's never going to work. Not in the GPU department. As they've, someone, they've got nothing good. Ryzen's good. As someone yeah. who's been like out of the PC game for a while and like slowly coming back into the stuff, I'm really excited for what, like I have no real affiliation to either red team or green team. Yeah. I'm excited for what Team Blue is actually going to bring to the market soon. You want more domination by Intel? Do you know what they did? They're anti-competitive, anti Dude, we did a whole 26-minute video on why you shouldn't like Intel. How could you, Reese? Yeah. They're abusive people. Company. Yeah. Sue. They hate Sued the again. environment. Sued again. <laughs> Sued one more time. I mean, if it makes other companies step up their game, they either have to or go bust. Or it prevents them from stepping up their game because Intel employs anti-competitive practices that hamstring their abilities to do anything because AMD is trying to fight two different battles on the CPU and GPU side with the revenue share that's less than even NVIDIA who's able to compete on the GPU side and to fight a battle, let's say, on the GPU department where Intel steals one of their technologies because they've been hiring all of their people. Let's yep. say in that, one of their copyrighted patented technologies actually makes its way into an Intel GPU. And and they use that and they shouldn't have and it's one of the things that makes the intel gpu great how is amd then supposed to take both intel to court but then also take nvidia and intel to task in the retail market that is something that you're not thinking of good sir and, and i stand here knowing that, that intel, intel should not win, win. <laughs> it's been a rough week i feel like that was super pent up and you just needed to get that out i've been holding it for too long <laughs> Okay, You've been hyping up the 9900K for too long. <laughs> AMD. Well, they suck. They deserve to win. They deserve a fair shot. You good, fam? No. <laughs> I just forgot to take my medicine. <laughs> oh, Mama Sue. <laughs> uh, 
yeah. I, I, all jokes, all jokes aside, this is actually pretty interesting technology coming from Nvidia. Like, yeah. it, it's probably not going to come to the consumer, but interconnecting a whole bunch of GPUs uh, in a way that allows them to build scalable, mm. regulated modules for. Okay, <laughs> scalable regulated modules per customer. Like, let's say Rickus needs a 48 module GPU setup for his render farm, but then let's say HP needs 1,500. They could build both of those yeah. with the same technology. So this should inevitably cut costs for them, allow them to scale much better, meet other customers' demands pretty easily, and uh, eventually trickle this down into something that could be better for consumers in the GPU department. What about stuff like uh, that Google Stadia? Could this take advantage of multi-GPU stuff like this? I'm sure it probably. Yeah, obviously the, the the coding would have to be written for it, but it at least by all indications this is this is linked up to be one specific type of GPU. So if yeah. you instead, I mean, I'm not sure how they could write this, but you could have different portions of different GPUs running different games at the same time and outputting to different places. Yeah. Obviously, I'm an idiot when it comes to server stuff, so like mm. that, I could be pulling that out of my butt and people are <laughs> listening right now going, no, it's not how servers work. Stop slamming the table. People. No. People are complaining. <laughs> but yeah, there was just something I thought about. Like, it, it could be cool to see if this was a sustainable method for like services like Google Stadia. And agreed. Agreed. That's a good thought. Okay, so we're doing the rest of the podcast like this. I really would ASMR. rather not. Um, and then there are also, uh, I don't even think we have it in this article, but uh, Intel also had their interconnect day, which, oh yeah, great holiday, favorite <laughs> holiday. Um, I, I, can can uh, we interconnect okay, for a second? On world interconnect. Anyways, okay, Rickus is moving slowly away from me. But uh, interconnect day was where Intel kind of unveiled their CXL uh, connection technology, which seems to be a replacement for PCI Express, yeah. at least in their server environment, and would allow them to have so much more bandwidth to actually connect different things together. So this could be used for them to have communication between an Intel CPU an Intel GPU and their Intel Optane RAM and Optane storage so that there's an entirely contained Intel machine all running on their Intel CXL technology. Speaking of, would this be like proprietary software? No. Or not software, hardware kind of well, stuff that... Actually, I'm not sure of that. So Intel obviously makes motherboard and motherboard standards. I'm not, yeah. mm. it seems like with the amount of companies backing it, it could be available, but it also seems like it, this though. is going to be exclusive for servers for right now and you don't need to make that open at all because you're not trying to interconnect different portions together like yeah. you, when, when you build a server you, you're, you're building, building what it, yeah. you're building like you have all of the parts in place beforehand so uh, I doubt but like they have so many supporting partners like Google's on board with this HP mm -hmm. uh, Alibaba I think Facebook I think it was Facebook. Yeah, Facebook was involved as well, yeah. So they have, I think it was between 20 and 25 All different founding partners of this new interconnection standard. All of our future overlords are on board with this. Exactly. Yes. Whereas uh, PCI Express had five founding partners and yeah. USB had seven founding partners. So They've got a lot of people CXL, backing, obviously yeah. they have a lot of money and a lot of influence and they're already kind of in the server industry saying, hey, you support us or we're going to cut this. I mean, yeah. you know how I tell you. Like, I'm just wondering if they, they really do be like this sometimes. sometimes yeah. <laughs> like, if they could use this as like a trump card over AMD, where they keep it basically locked to their architecture. Oh yeah. And I do think, to some extent, they they are going to need to do something different for their server market because they are losing market share to Epic, uh, and the amount of core counts, the PCI Express lanes that Epic is bringing. If you then take PCI Express lanes out of the conversation entirely because you're on CXL while AMD is still on the slower PCI Express standard, yeah. then it could become something that's actually, uh, that, that could push them further out of the server market than they already are. Because I mean, they have less than 10%. Yeah. Obviously they're growing and they're anticipated to be hit 10% by the end of the, yeah. uh, this year. But it could be something that, that does that and allows Intel to get more contracts, especially when they can sell you the entire solution. Yeah. They don't have to outsource a single portion of it anymore because they're now making the GPUs. Whereas before you had to partner an Intel server with, with an, an AMD or an NVIDIA, NVIDIA GPU. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, it's, they're definitely moving in 
a big way of dominating everything um, and just taking back some of the market share that AMD has taken from them slowly but surely. But um, yeah. It's one of those things like to like, it's just, as soon as I heard this whole like CXL architecture, I was just like, I wonder if they're gonna keep that to themselves. It's, I, it's I, not I feel like they will though. That's it's whatever, it's the same a, thing. It's a standard. That one. I do feel that they will keep it to themselves because that's what Intel does. Like, Fair. that's just like what immediately popped up into my head. Speaking of people who do things and how things really be like that sometimes. <laughs> 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 We've got NVIDIA wow. coming through and doing the old shady shady. So in As case usual. anybody doesn't remember what NVIDIA pulled off with the, the 10 series stuff, let's, let's just go ahead and recount for you the uh, few different shady moves that they made. So you had, uh, you had the GT 1030, right? Yeah, but then you also had a GT 1030 DDR4 edition, which was tremendously slower, and anywhere that sold it didn't really make a huge distinction between the two, even though it was called the 1030. And then you also had the MX150, which is a laptop graphics card, and there were two different versions of that. And good luck trying to tell which was the fast one and which was the slow one. Unless you actually bought it. Exactly. Yeah. And now we're in the same scenario where NVIDIA is releasing MX250 laptops in a 10-watt model and a 25-watt model with a 30% performance difference between the two and barely disclosing it or having the partners who are selling the laptop actually accurately disclosing it in a way that's obvious. Bad guy in video. Yeah, it's Bad. kind of a scummy move. I'm not going to lie. Well, okay. So let, we, we could call it a scummy move. I, I do agree that it if they're doing this, it should be there something should that's be disclosure. a much, much bigger disclosure. Yes. Like, but... If they just did it like an MX250A and an MX250B. That would help, yes, especially if they, they called it two different things. But I, I do want to kind of ask the, the rhetorical question. How much performance difference does there need to be between two different graphics cards before we call it something different altogether? Not an A or B, but like a 60 or a 50 and a 60. I think anything like above 10% yeah, difference. Ten, as it gets closer to 10%, I get way more iffy on yeah. whether yeah, that would, should be allowed. I would generally say 5%, but obviously some chips just are absolutely... Well, I mean, even, even if you go from the Founders, founders Edition to one of the overclocking, yeah. so there could be a 5% difference. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I'm saying like 10% is, is probably a good range to work with because then you at least have some room for the chip lottery, which you, you never know uh, what's going to come out of there, but it still doesn't allow you to do this. Yeah. So you, you think 30% is egregious and it's garbage. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's, it's terrible. That's absolute... That's... That's a trash move. Wow. It okay. is. NVIDIA and Intel should get together. I feel like they do match. You, do you put like food dye into your trash it's just so it's green all the time? <laughs> no. Okay. No, no, you're, no. Not, you're not that far no. in the disdain no, category? No, no, no. I make sure I've got a green trash bag though. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. So you just you taint everything. Yeah. Taint? Is that it's a word? Trash. Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay. My, my, you, you go, dude. Okay. <laughs> I, I know what it, else it means. I'm just making sure it was like an actual verb. <laughs> it, it, it is. Not Don't worry. <laughs> All right, well, on the, the, the taint note, we're going to end right there before I taint this podcast oh anymore. Dear. And uh, we want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of High Bandwidth. For everything that we discussed in this episode, you can see the links down in the show notes below. We'll leave a link to all of it, as well as all of the articles that we didn't have a chance to get to. Yeah. We'll make sure that you guys can follow along with us. And be sure to tweet at us if you have any articles or anything that you want us to discuss for the next podcast. You can tweet at me. I'm at UF Disciple, D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E. We got at Ricky Strauss. No, it's it's your name? Yeah. No funny numbers? Mm, Ricky Strauss 16. Okay, there we go. And then you're <laughs> at Reese the First. Yes. So if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, tweet at us. Let us know if you have any suggestions for the show. Be sure to do that. You can tweet at us or you can send an email to... Uh, uh, I don't care.com. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do emails. We, we, we actually kind of need an email for the podcast if we want people Maybe, to do yeah. that. So that's uh, that, 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 that's all. So podcast at UFD. We'll work on that. Yeah, something like that. Episode two. Join us for more improvements. <laughs> yes. So obviously we've made a few physical changes for anybody who's watching the live stream. Uh, and audio should be better since we got a cable and a couch in here. So there should be less echo than last week. But uh, echo von Kaspera. And I will see you in the next... Although you'll listen to us. Ah!